You're listening to the Functional Nurse Podcast. On today's episode, we will be exploring the healing art of functional medicine and answering the question, what is functional medicine? So stay tuned. Hello, nurses, and welcome. I wanted to take some time in this episode to explain the overall idea of what is functional medicine to those that are not terribly familiar with this practice, and maybe debunk some of the common misconceptions about functional medicine along the way. My name is Bridget Sager, and I'm your host. I'm a family nurse practitioner, a nurse educator, a board-certified nurse coach, and a board-certified functional medicine practitioner. I've taught functional medicine to hundreds of nurses and nurse practitioners, and I created this podcast so that we can explore topics that are important to nurses practicing functional medicine and come up often for my students. I think it's important that we start this episode by laying out the landscape for our current healthcare system with over six out of 10 of U.S. adults with at least one chronic health condition and four out of 10 U.S. adults with two or more chronic health conditions. We have a serious need for something to do differently moving forward in what we offer our clients and patients. The prevalence of almost every chronic health condition is on the rise in the last few decades. And I feel like this is where functional medicine shines. We look at the root cause and that is often our modern lifestyle. We're able to help people identify their unique cause for their health condition and often able to help them reverse the symptoms and completely eliminate their health condition in many cases. Uh, allopathic medicine or Western medicine has this model that I think we're all familiar with of diagnosing and treating and treatment most often ends in a medication or maybe a surgical intervention. Patients in the allopathic or Western model uh, come to us completely frustrated because they often say that they feel unheard. They feel like their symptoms were dismissed because they didn't have a diagnosable disease yet. Um, often the threshold for diagnosis wasn't met. And so they were told to come back when they were worse, which is really shocking. Nothing about that system is teaching us to look for the why, and that is what functional medicine is all about. With functional medicine, we are looking for the unique why for that person. And when we do that, it's going to be a different answer for each person that we take care of. Uh, example I like to use often is hypertension. If we look for the root cause of hypertension in several different clients, we're going to find a different answer for each of them. They could have an undiagnosed case of sleep apnea. They could have a nutrient deficiency that is causing their hypertension. They might have an environmental exposure in their workplace or their home that they're unaware of. And there's so many more examples that I teach in my course, and there are a lot of avenues to go down to help a client investigate this. And that is why functional medicine is so popular with its clients because they really appreciate being heard and their story being evaluated more thoroughly. 
The issue with functional medicine that often comes up when I talk about it is the fact that when we're digging deeply for a unique why for somebody, we're not able to create huge research studies because each person's reason for their health condition is different. And that is one thing that comes up often and we talk about in the course I teach is students struggle with that idea of us not having huge studies that say this one intervention will address hypertension. This one intervention will address insulin resistance or diabetes. But when we look at people and their root cause and we address the root cause, they experience true healing. And I feel like that is proof in the pudding right there. Um, but I will say that I think that every single thing that we do in functional medicine is evidence-based when we practice true functional medicine. I say that because functional medicine is essentially fundamental nursing practice. So we're addressing people's lifestyle, their exposures, uh, their diets, and we are also looking at the fundamentals of biochemistry. And I feel like this gets overlooked in allopathic medicine almost always, where we're not really considering what the cellular demands are, what nutrients are essentially needed by our bodies for us to function. So we may find that there is a demand in the body for a particular nutrient, or maybe something is uh, impairing that process. And when we address that, they get better. So an important thing to consider here is when we're talking about biochemistry, a lot of the time we're talking about what we're taking in, such as our food sources, and then how that is utilized in the body. And we don't just need to eat that. It needs to get digested and absorbed. It has to get transported to where it needs to take action in the body. It needs to be converted often. And then it does have to be detoxified appropriately. All of these aspects of the biochemistry can be impaired and need to be addressed. And that is a big part of what we do in functional medicine. I say all this to step back to the evidence-based part. And because I 100% believe that functional medicine is biochemistry actually getting acknowledged, then we don't need giant studies to prove that we need magnesium for a lot of, I think over 300 functions in our body is what is currently measured that we need magnesium for. So if we're deficient, that may manifest in many different ways and uniquely for many different people. So functional medicine is considering the cellular demand of the body, the nutrient deficiencies that may be going on, um, maybe a toxin in the environment that's impairing that process. We also look at everyday labs completely differently than you may be used to. Uh, the I was shocked to learn that the uh, reference range established for our lab work that we use to tell patients if they are within or out of normal limits for their lab work is defined by the local population. And that really blew my mind because most adults have a chronic health condition. But many people have undiagnosed chronic health conditions, so they may be used as part of that reference range for lab values, but be fairly unhealthy to start with. So we can have the normal reference range for a lab, and then we can have the ideal reference range for a lab or the optimal reference range for a lab. 
that's how we look at things in functional medicine. We'll look at lab work that maybe is just a CBC or a metabolic panel for a patient that they've had done with their primary care provider for several years. They've been told everything's normal and we're able to look there and see signs of maybe impaired digestion or metabolism or a deficiency in a nutrient and we're able to help address that. That is, to me, a really big difference with functional medicine is that we don't just say things are either a diagnosable condition or they don't exist, but we rather uh, take those thoughts into consideration. When we are thinking about the systems approach that we're taught in nursing school and medical school, we're taught that we have a cardiovascular system, a respiratory system, and so on. And when we shift our perspective to a functional medicine approach, we view the fact that a root cause can impact several systems. So we take a different view of the body itself. And that can definitely take some unlearning for uh, it did for me and it has for my students is that we aren't going to categorize problems into one body system, but we're going to look for a root cause that may be affecting several body systems. A question I like to ask to kind of shift the idea of uh, our genetics. It's a big topic in functional medicine is uh, if if. We have so many chronic health conditions that are drastically on the rise as far as the prevalence in society. Why don't wild animals have all these health conditions that we struggle with? Our dogs and cats do. And that I have seen firsthand is that when we have the same uh, lifestyle factors imposed on our pets, they tend to develop a lot of the chronic health conditions that we do at similar rates. And those are on the rise for them as well. When we take wild animals and we move them into controlled environments similar to our own, they begin to develop the same types of conditions that we do. And a good example that's been studied pretty thoroughly is when we take marine animals and put them in an aquarium environment. So we're controlling the water they're in, what they're eating, and they're put under a significant amount of stress in many circumstances they actually begin to experience many of the same health conditions we do, including stress ulcers and infertility rates that they tend to be less fertile and often are infertile once they're in captivity. This to me is one great example of how we can use all the medications we want to treat people, but if we actually want to reverse disease, we have to address lifestyle. Another example I like to use is the prevalence of stomach cancer in Japan in the past. Japan had a high rate of stomach cancer nationwide for a long time, and that was something that wasn't seen, for example, in the United States very often. And so it was investigated and found that it was a lot of the ways that they were processing and consuming their foods. Once a national campaign was enacted to educate people on their risk for developing stomach cancer based on their diet, the nation modified their food consumption and their rates of stomach cancer actually declined quite rapidly. I use this as an example because everybody that had had a family member in that country that had had stomach cancer from eating the same types of foods, right, as their grandparents, their parents, their siblings, probably felt like stomach cancer was their destiny. And in reality, it was more of a cultural issue that they were using the same cultural practices as their family members. And that is why they developed stomach cancer. So they were activating their genes 
with their lifestyle, with their food choices. And that was actually their biggest risk factor. So in functional medicine, I teach my clients and I teach my students that we are activating our genetic material with our lifestyles. And that is actually the reason that we develop chronic health conditions and why the rates are increasing. So our genetic material or our DNA is not our destiny. When we teach this to our patients and clients, it can give them a true sense of hope and empowerment and motivation to actually make changes that could change their health story. So in functional medicine, we look at lifestyle. We take a very detailed health history. We look at environmental exposures, diet, relationships, the nutrient deficiencies I mentioned earlier, and so much more. We look for that stressor for the body and we look for the toxins to the body. And I feel like these terms are often really interchangeable in functional medicine. Anything that is putting a strain on the systems of the body to a point where there is an imbalance that causes harm, we can consider that a stressor or we can consider that a toxin, in my opinion. The answer for root cause is going to be different for each person. And one person's stressor or toxin might actually be another person's healthy favorite food or habit that they have. Functional medicine requires the patient to be their own primary care provider. We become active listeners as the healthcare practitioner. We connect the dots for them, dig deep with them into their health story, and we educate them. The ability to heal and improve their health is in their hands, not ours. Functional medicine has really become a more popular practice in the last few years. As a result, many healthcare and non-healthcare practitioners like health coaches have started to offer functional medicine services with varying backgrounds and education. I think it is very important for us to ensure we have a solid foundation in functional medicine. I often tell my students we should not dabble in functional medicine since functional medicine is a deep exploration for the root cause of a patient's health concerns, I believe it is very important to have a solid background in a healthcare field such as nursing. I honestly believe nurses are the natural functional medicine practitioners. Before I learned functional medicine, I was feeling really dismayed and disheartened with the healthcare system. And as soon as I really realized the potential to truly heal people using functional medicine practices, I felt like I had found the reason I became a nurse in the first place. I often ask other nurses why they became a nurse and they pretty much never tell me it was to learn how to pass medications. But in my time teaching pre-licensure nursing students, I can tell you that that is the majority of what is being taught to us in our nursing programs. That isn't really what we went to school for generally, but the allopathic healthcare system has set up a system where we are making sure that patients take the medications prescribed by their providers. And this can become really disheartening when we aren't actually seeing any true healing take place. That is also why I am so passionate about teaching functional medicine and sharing the word with other nurses. A little bit of some debunking I would like to do before we wrap up today. When I first told one of my physician peers that I was learning functional medicine, he said, oh, that is just a whole bunch of expensive tests and expensive supplements. And I have certainly seen patients come to me 
with a long list of supplements that have been prescribed to replace their prescription medications. And maybe the provider says they practice functional medicine. They have a big shelf up in their lobby and they sell supplements that they make money off of. And so they have been trained by maybe a supplement company or maybe in a program to replace prescription medications with a more natural option, such as an herb or other type of supplement. I absolutely disagree with this, and I do not believe that this is true functional medicine practice. If we think of functional medicine as looking for the root cause of someone's health concern, then we address it. We shouldn't need a long-term solution. There are a few nutrients that I feel like are deficient in our diets overall, and there are some that we'll have a upcoming podcast uh, episode on to talk about nutrients that I feel like we often do need to supplement long term, but they're very few and they're very common. Um, so functional medicine is not replacing prescription medication with supplements. Functional medicine is not people taking 10 or 15 supplements long term. I often will have somebody use a supplement short term to address a concern while we're healing maybe their gut. We're healing their gut. We use a supplement, but I also will educate them on foods that may have the same properties. I have some clients that come to me and say they don't want to take any supplements and we focus on food sources to heal them. The other part of that that I mentioned is functional medicine having a lot of expensive tests. This can certainly be true that a lot of providers will order very expensive tests for functional medicine. Um, me personally, I take this approach very individually with each client. Some of my clients will bring me old lab work from the last few years with a provider and I will see enough in that for us to work on for quite a while and often completely address their health concerns without any new lab work. Sometimes somebody really wants to dig deep and what I like to call seeing what's under the hood and they want to do some of the expensive testing. And I am perfectly happy to help people in whatever direction they want to move in, whether that's food as medicine, using some supplements, um, doing expensive testing or just using everyday lab work that they have from the past. But the truth in all this is that when we look at the fact that our chronic health condition prevalence is on the rise for almost every health condition because of our modern lifestyle, there isn't a need for more prescription medication and there isn't a need for fancy testing for us to truly get to the root of somebody's health concerns. The majority of the time, what people really need is a provider that can help guide them through all of the confusing health information that they're getting access to on the internet and their friends are telling them about it. And maybe some people they know that work in healthcare have given them some advice and they're confused about what to eat and what to take and what to say no to. That is where the I feel like I and the students that I've taught in the Functional Medicine for Nurses course have really uh, shined because we are able to be a partner with those people that are looking for guidance. And when we address their lifestyle, when we address their stress, exposure to toxins, help them balance their hormones naturally, and we are able to help them experience true healing, there's no need for long-term supplements or expensive testing. So I hope that this has been illuminating for you regarding what is functional medicine and what it is not. And until our next episode, be well. 
Thank you for tuning in for this episode of the Functional Nurse Podcast. If you want to help spread the word about the powerful role nurses can play as true healers using functional medicine practices, consider sharing an episode with a nurse friend or on social media. And click the subscribe button to stay informed of newly released episodes. You can also visit and share the links below in the show notes for more information on nursing resources and the Functional Medicine for Nurses course offered through the Integrative Nurse Coach Academy in partnership with the Institute for Functional Medicine.